Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. take place in our lifetime. What, 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 do we, what do you mean by end of days, preacher? I mean the end of the day of man having his way. God is about to wrap up his program for the human race and for sin. He's going to put an end to sin and he's going to start a new chapter, a new phase in creation. Hallelujah. And he's going God. to culminate with the rule of Jesus Christ personally over mankind and over all of creation. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, He didn't only purchase the redemption of human beings, but He purchased with His blood the redemption 
of all creation, the universe itself, will be changed. The heavens will be changed and made new. The earth will be made new. And you and I are going to be made new. Somebody say, Now, I want to start a series. I've been here. This is going on number 13 in terms of years. And I've never really done a full-scale or a series on the second coming of Christ. But I'm going to begin one today. Now to many of you, uh, just a few weeks ago in Sunday school, we covered a lot of this material. So it will be uh, should be fresh in your mind and it may seem like we're repeating. But I want you to catch the import of what we're saying here today. I want to lay a foundation. Uh, in other words, I don't want to just preach a message to you. And then I want, I want you to see the framework and the foundation of the very faith that you and I are standing on. I want us to see that, that God has a plan. We're going to talk today about the hope of Christ's coming. The hope of His coming. You know, the second coming of Jesus is a hope. It's called the blessed hope. You know, we look around. Life is complicated at times. Events can press in and develop uh, stress difficulties in our lives we can struggle maybe even on a daily basis just to get through life but you know God promises to assist us during these trials that we all seem to go through trials you know that's one of the things we don't hear a whole lot about in Christianity today is the fact that you and I are destined for trials See, we want to hear in churches, oh, you say, why are you small and many of these are this big? I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the full gospel. The trials are necessary. The struggle in your life that you face is necessary. Everyone will say, man, I wish I didn't have to go through that. Everybody says that, but it's, 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 it's needful to develop you to, into the person that Christ wants you to be. He uses the trials of life. But there's coming a time when those trials will be over. Amen. There's coming a day when your struggle will cease. There's coming a time when sin will be done away with and when all things will be made new. That includes you. My friend, that's the hope of His coming. Scripture encourages Christians to anticipate Jesus' return. Why are you preaching about Christ? Because the Bible says to. We're told to look forward to His coming. Jesus promises that He's going to return and His promises are dependable. He's coming again to gather all believers to Himself forever. And what time you and I have here in this life is precious to us. Before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today behind this sacred desk. Lord, I in and of myself am inadequate to proclaim your word to your people. I ask, Father, humbly for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to communicate your life, your word to us. Lord, build the foundation. Lay it in our lives deeply, Lord, of your second coming. Help us, Lord, as your church, your people, Lord, to anticipate and look forward to your return and to live our lives accordingly. Father, ground your word in us. Lord, center us 
where we need to be centered. Help us, Lord, to lay aside those things that would distract us, Lord, in our lives from the blessed hope. Father, I thank you for doing just that. In Jesus' name. Everyone say it. Amen. Amen. In Titus chapter 2, verses 12, don't turn there, I want to read this. We're told to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Is that what we saw in our Sunday school lesson today? Anything but. Self-controlled, upright, godly lives. <laughs> running each other over in a Walmart for a $12 toaster. Slugging each other over TV sets. No, that's just the opposite of what the Scripture tells us and how we ought to live. He says, live that way in this present age while, now notice what Paul is saying, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's Titus 2, chapter 12, uh, chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. We're to wait for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. Are you waiting? Are you hoping? Are you looking for Jesus? I don't know about you, I. You've heard me say it before, and I've heard it before myself many times. I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the undertaker. Hallelujah. We're going to turn today to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll be in chapter 4 and 5 today, and also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And these scriptures are are very powerful. We, we talked about this only a few weeks ago in Sunday school, but I want to go over it again. I want it to get uh, down into our hearts and into our spirits so that we know it without even having to think about it. Subconsciously, it's a part of us. It's in us, if it isn't already. The hope of Christ coming. Number one, it's a message of hope in a world that is increasingly losing hope. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 Paul says this, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. My wife and I just attended the funeral of a friend of ours whose mother had passed away just, just a week ago. And she was laid to rest. And you know, I've been to many funerals in my lifetime. And if I live any longer, I'm sure I'll go to more of them. They're, they're, they're never a fun or an enjoyable experience uh, when, when someone passes away. We, we miss them. They're our loved ones. We, we're, we're sorry to see them go. But you know, as a believer in Christ, we do not have to allow grief to overtake our lives when someone that knows the Lord passes away. We have hope that that person will once again live. That they will live again. Those who have no faith in God, they're going to suffer an eternity away from God. They're not going to be resurrected to life as you and I, the believer, will be. But rather, they'll be lost. And there is grief and there is sorrow and there is suffering. But, you know, when a believer passes away, they will live again. That is the hope of the gospel church. And that is the hope of His coming for you and I who are alive and remain. Look at verse 14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so 
we believe that God will break with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. Now notice Paul uses that term, fallen asleep. He doesn't use the term death or dying or, or someone who has died because a believer does not die and does not suffer the second death. You remember, you and I are, are tripartite beings. You know, the world won't teach you this. Uh, sociology won't teach you this. You, you, you are not what you appear to be only. You're a spirit being first and foremost. Created in the image and likeness of God. You have ability. You have the ability to look beyond yourself, to anticipate the future, to create things. You know, only mankind can write a symphony. Only mankind can paint a beautiful painting. No animal can do that. Only mankind can do the things that we've seen men do here on this that are astounding. Why? Because we've been made in the image and likeness of our Creator. You have a spirit, first and foremost, that is immortal. Why does God hate abortion and why should the Christian? Because that individual is a spirit inside the womb created by God. That's what the scripture tells us. And we're taking the life of something we have no right to take the life of. Not only do you have a spirit, you have a soul. Have you ever heard that word soul? That's so you well. You know what that means in, a, in psychology? That's the mind, the will, and emotions of a person. The spirit is intangible. It's invisible. So is the soul. I can't see your mind. I can't see what you're thinking right now, but I know that you are thinking. You're, you're reasoning. You're, you're, because you're a living soul. Many animals have souls. You beat a dog, he'll cower in fear. You pet them, they'll show happiness. They're souls. Now, the cockroach has one, I don't know. You have a theological expertise there. But we do know that higher animals, you know, they say an elephant can remember something 50 years ago. They have a tremendous. You have a spirit that's made in the image and likeness of God, but you also have a soul. And, and yet you live in a physical, tangible, physical body made of flesh and blood. Now when man fell, his spirit died. All men are born spiritually dead. They have a spirit, but it's dead to God. That's why the Christian, the believer, intuitively when they come to faith in Christ, their spirit is regenerated. They're born again. They've come to life inside the deepest part of what a man is. Your soul, that is your mind, will, and emotions, is still in a fallen state. It, it needs to be sanctified or, or redeemed in a practical day-by-day -day basis. You, you, your mind is as crazy as mine is. Hello? Okay. Your body, Paul says, is as good as dead because of the sin nature. You're going to die. You're born with a death sentence. It's only a matter of time. Now, how many heartbeats are in the life of this child here today? I, I don't know. God only knows. But should the Lord tarry, that child will grow and will die. The only part that dies is the physical part. 
The hope of the believer is not heaven. I would say 95 or more percent of the church world makes heaven the goal or the hope of the believer. It's not. The hope of the believer, according to the word of God, is the resurrection. It's immortality. I mean, you won't even die and go to live in heaven. Isn't that a revelation? To many, it is. You're going to be here on this earth once again. For eternity. How long is that? So you and I were made with an earth suit that's suitable for this planet. And you will get another earth suit at the resurrection to continue to live here. If you've been redeemed. What does the word redeemed mean? See, you have two kinds of people, basically. You have those who are redeemed, those who are not redeemed. If you've been, been redeemed, you will live into perpetuity forever with Christ in a new body that will never grow old, will never decay. It will renew itself. Even science says that you were made to regenerate yourself. Every seven years, you, you're, you're a different body than what you have now. But yet they cannot explain why you get old and, 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 and die. That's the sin nature. The Bible explains that. Decrepit. But you weren't originally made. Even your body tells you if you're regenerating every seven years, you should be getting better, but yet we seem to get that's that sin working in us. But see, we have a hope. We, church, have a hope that the world, the, the unregenerate, do not have. We have a hope that we will live again. Your spirit and your soul will never die. Okay? Everybody in here is immortal. You're born that way. The baby to the grave. You're immortal. Where you spend eternity is where you choose in this life. See, when we abort an unliving child that has not been born, that, that, that child's still alive in the womb. We, we, we deny them the chance to live for God, the one who created them. We don't have that right. That's why I said, where, where does an aborted child get to go to be with the Lord? Jesus died for the sins of the world. Who, who goes to hell? Those who refuse Christ's offer of forgiveness. God sends no one to hell. People choose that. This life is for our choosing. We choose whether we'll be with Him or we will not. We make that choice. He, he respects you enough not to force you. I don't know about you, sometimes I wish God did force me to do that. Because I, I often don't make the right choices. I mean, I often do the wrong thing. But, but yet He allows us to do that. That's why we go through pain and difficulty. But in His love and His providence, He uses those experiences of life to teach us to build character, His character in us. And He's working with a, a, a goal in mind that is so that you and I can serve Him in His kingdom in a place of honor. He allows us to do that. But I'm, I'm, I don't want to get off track. Let me continue on here. Paul says in verse 15, According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, 
that is at his second coming, those of us who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede or go before those who have fallen asleep or died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. The Lord himself will come down from heaven. Let that sink in. Man, that's exciting. Those who have died before us in the faith are not going to be left out. They're not going to be raised before us. We're all going to be raised up at the same time. One big resurrection of the church is going to take place all at once. The dead and those who are alive at His coming. <coughs> What's he going to do? He's going, the Lord's going to come down from where? Heaven. And he's going to come down with a loud command. What do you think that command is? The King James says with a shout. Church, come up here! That's all he's going to say. You say, how do you know he's going to say that? Well, remember when he raised Lazarus up in the gospel? Lazarus, come forth! man that was dead came out that grave. We're going to say one word, church. That's his people. That's his body. Come forth! Well, let's read it. Let's just read it right out of the Bible. And with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first and that we who are alive and are left will be caught up. That's, that's where we get the word rapture. That contraction, caught up in the Latin, is rapture. Well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. It is right there. The Greek word is harpazo. It means to be snatched up, caught up. We who are alive will be caught up together. Notice it together with them, who the dead in Christ. So we're going up together with them in the what? The clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Notice he didn't say heaven. But in the air. Now, we saw a video this morning in Sunday school. And that's one of the reasons I wanted you to see that. These things are real. They happen. Now, this is on a scale that's much larger than that. But I can just see in my mind's eye those clouds rolling back when Jesus descends and he calls us up. How fast did you see that white light go through that portal? It was so fast that the, the, the naked eye could not see it. It had to be slowed down. You and I will be taken just like that. The world will not realize what had happened except the fact they know now Christians are, they will know but they won't see it when it does happen. That's pretty quick. In the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. We will be caught up with the Lord. And so shall we be with the Lord forever. Oh, hallelujah. Hope of Christ coming. He's coming first for His church. And then sometime later with His church back to the earth. See, here we're not meeting Him on the earth. He's not coming down to the earth. We're meeting Him in the air. 
is going from heaven to the earth's atmosphere and we're caught up to be with him. That's hope. If all we had was what was going on in this life, wouldn't we have a whole lot of hope? You know, I, and I thank God. Somebody said, well, you know, I, I, you know, my life is just so rough. It's, it's difficult. I mean, I, I don't understand why. Well, you're the one that can look for hope. You can thank God your life is where it is because, you know, there are people who seem to have it made. They don't seem to have a whole lot of things going wrong in their life. Everything's going fine. Matter of fact, they love their life. There are a lot of people that way. God sees to it, you, you don't love it that much. Well, they didn't hear me on that. God sees to it, you can't have too good of a time. Why? You wouldn't look to Him. You wouldn't hope for a better life. You wouldn't look to Christ for you, you would be just comfortable there. You know the most miserable people I've ever met are those who don't want Jesus because everything's too good. Amen. Well, you know, I don't want to get saved. I'm having too much fun. I just bought my new Corvette. I, I want to enjoy that for a while. I, I, I built a new vacation home in, in, in the Caribbean. I want to have fun. I know y'all are like that. I mean, I mean, we're all, we all, we come from Man, I can barely walk and I broke my back working last week. You know what? The guy like that's in a better position than it. Amen. Oh, Lord, help me. Hallelujah. I need you, Jesus. Glory to God. You know, when everything was going along real smooth in my life, I didn't have no time for God. Hello? I was too busy enjoying myself. Received his 
teaching. It said in verse 2, For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Okay, He's coming like a thief in the night. What, to the earth? No, no, every eye will see Him. He's coming for His church like a thief in the night. But yet He gives us the conditions of His return in the Scripture. Now that will be next week's message. The signs of Christ's return. Should the Lord not return between now and then. That's what we'll be talking about. But He, he sets the condition. He said, you, you know that I'm coming. And I'm coming like a thief in the night. Now a thief will go in and break into the home. Take what they're going to take. And leave without anyone knowing. I mean, he, thief's not going to go up to the someone's door, knock on the door, invite himself in, and then hijack everything, you know. Well, as a rule of thumb, today I don't know if people do anything. Like that. <laughs> but generally they come and, and wait till no one's home, and they break in, they take, and then they move on. Well, Christ is going to break into this earth, into this atmosphere, and he's taking his people out of here, and people are not even going to know what happened like a thief. Now when he comes back at the second coming, stars are going to be falling out of heaven, the sun will be darkened, the moon will be not give his light, people will be uh, gathered together for the great battle of Armageddon, and, and every eye will see him coming back on a white horse. But here he's talking about returning for you and I, his church, his bride, his body. Hallelujah. Like a thief in the night. Glory to God. Verse 3, while people are saved, Peace and security or safety. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Peace and security. Are people saying that in the world today? <coughs> no. What are they saying today? Wars and rumors of... We might get it up. World War Three. Now, now, we're told to be ready for Christ's return at all times. And you know I teach that. Can you time the rapture? No. No, you cannot time the rapture. We, we look at seasons. We look at, 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 at the fact that it is coming. And, and each generation of believers, and the way God set it up, had to look for His return. But we know there's a final generation where all of the signs converge. And that's the day you and I are living in today. But we're not at peace and security right now. But all it takes is, is, is one agreement to be made. And we know how it operates in this UN slash New World Order situation. And men will all be celebrating peace and security. That's when. That's when. And they talk, there's talk every week of an agreement being made. Talk every week. You know, I don't keep my eye on that. I keep my eye on Jesus. Because I know that, that we're in that time, in that season, when He could return for us. I, I've known that for some time now. He could come. And sometime, someday He will. He will come. Somebody said, well, you, you, do you time the right? Well, let me, let me say this. Preacher, why do you get so excited about and why are you so convinced that that rapture, that resurrection, well, this is going to happen soon. I'm going to tell you why. I have never seen all these events take place like I've seen today. The conditions, and we'll talk about that again next week, are 
right where they need to be. We're just waiting on that piece of security. You say, well, how do you tie it in then and, and, and justify the doctrine of eminence? Well, let me say this. And I know we're getting close because the church will not be here during the judgment of God, during the day of the Lord. We're removed at the beginning of the day of the Lord as it begins. We just had the blood moon tetrad. And that is a sign given to us in Joel and also in Acts 2 that that would be a signal to the world before before the day of the Lord. So that sign has come and gone just a month ago. I'm, I'm just waiting for the conditions to even get... What we're seeing in the world are tribulation events taking shape. Well, if the church is not going to be here during the tribulation, how close are we to the rapture? Blood moon behind us, tetrad, and we see tribulation events on the horizon. We're on the cusp. We don't have much time. Now, I've taught, I've preached, and, and look, hey, I could be wrong, but I, I, I really believe, if you've heard me at any length of time, I believe that the Magog invasion, which we see shaping up right now, when that invasion starts, that's when we end it. That would be called to the world World War III in a historic term. World War III. When Russia and Iran attack Israel, the church comes down. Because if you read the language of Ezekiel 38 and, and here in 1 Thessalonians 4, it's under his timing. God puts hooks into the jaws and brings them against Israel. God defeats Magog. That will set the stage for the Antichrist come on the scene. That will set the stage for that 70th week to begin. For the Jews to rebuild their temple and the sacrifice to resume. All of those preparations are already being made right now. They're being made with Russia and Iran. They're meeting this weekend. Russian leaders and Iranian leaders right now as we, probably as I'm preaching. This message. This is all unprecedented in history. Jesus will come from the church first and then with the church approximately seven years later to set up His kingdom. We're getting very close. It says in verse 5 of chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night nor to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us be alert and self-controlled. The Christians to be ready, to be aware, to not be asleep as the majority of people are. And sadly, many in the church world are totally asleep as to what's going on. They don't discern the times and the seasons that we're in. We need to be just the opposite. We need to be sober-minded, to be looking for, to be anticipating, to be ready, to be self-controlled. In other words, don't live out of control. You know, don't live like an unsaved person. Come on now, amen. We're to live like a believer. To be under control. You know, you just look at Black Friday events the other day. That's just the opposite. Somebody said, well, you be, you'll never see me in a store going through those motions. 
Number one, I know better than to even go. Because I might slap something. Come on. And then I would be out of control. I don't put myself in that. Can't say amen, say amen. Ain't a deal good enough for me to act like an animal. Come on. Let us not be like others, Paul said. Amen. We're to remain faithful to the Lord. We don't know when He's coming. We know it's just up ahead. But we're to be ready. Can I get a witness? We're to be ready. Thirdly and lastly, and this is the main focus of our hope, the hope of Christ's coming, and that is the anticipation of our change from mortality to immortality. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. And this is such a wonderful, powerful part of our scripture. This is the backbone of the resurrection of Jesus. This is it. In verse 51 of chapter 15, Paul says this, Listen, I tell you a mystery. Alright, it was a mystery. What does that mean? It was unknown up until he revealed the mystery. Right here in this verse. It was unknown to people. How did Paul give this revelation? It came from God. It came from Jesus Himself. And He gave this revelation to you and I, the church. This mystery, which is no longer a mystery. But you know, a mystery is still a mystery if you don't understand it. A mystery is still a mystery if you've never heard it. I may have heard a joke uh, more than one time. Told more than one time. The first time I laugh, if it's funny, if it's funny, you know what I'm saying. But after you've heard it several times, you don't have the same reaction. Why? Because it's no longer a mystery. You know what it is. Hello? But I look at this mystery in the scriptures and I still get excited because it's yet to come to pass. But it's no longer a mystery to me. I, I've heard it before over and over again, but this is something we need to, 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 to get down into our spirits, church, so that it will help propel us through the difficulties of life. When things are rough, they're tough. You remember the Word of God. Allow it to encourage you and to strengthen you. Paul said, I want to tell you this. We will not all sleep. And again, I like the fact he doesn't use die. Because a believer doesn't really die. Your outer shell will go back to the dust. But you will still remain. Your spirit and soul will go to be with the Lord. And if you've gone on to be with the Lord, He'll bring you with Him when He comes to resurrect the church. Hallelujah. So you cannot lose. I mean, it's, it's a win-win for all of us. Amen? But he says, we will not all die, but we will all be changed. In other words, not all Christians are going to die. There's going to be a generation of believers living on the earth when Christ returns. I believe we're, we are that generation. I believe we will be here when Christ returns. And look what he says will happen. We will all be changed. This was a mystery. It's no longer a mystery. We're going to be changed. You know, the scripture says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. You can't get to heaven like you are. Matter of fact, you can't even rise up into the air like you are. 
I can't even jump too high in the air like I am. <laughs> Remember Michael Jordan did it hang, go for the, uh, the shot line all the way to the hoop. But we're going to be changed. We're going to be doing some things that we never thought we could do before or we never could do in reality. We're going to be changed. How is that going to happen? who said, let there be light in the world. He's going to raise up his people all over the time into an immortality, into an immortal state, spirit, soul, and body. You were never made, I was never made to live in heaven, which is a spiritual dimension and a spiritual body. We were made to have tangible body. Well, how do you know that for sure? The Bible says that our resurrection body will be fashioned after his resurrection body. He rose up. He said, the Thomas touched me, Thomas. I'm not a spirit. Spirit doesn't have flesh and body. See the nail prints in my hand? Yet he could walk right through that wall. And then he could appear. He could hug them. He could hold them. He could eat fish with them on the seashore. Spirit doesn't do that. He's the firstborn among many brethren. We will be raised. He's the prototype of resurrected humanity. The first one in a body like he has. A man who once walked the earth named Jesus. Who died but yet came back to life. And now is alive. 2,000 years later he's still alive. He's going to come back that prototype and make your body <coughs> just like his. And man will realize his original intent that is to live forever. Sin derailed that. Sin derailed that. But redemption, the word redeem means to take that substance and reshape it, remake it so that it's usable again. I've used this illustration. I'm going to do it again for the sake of my young folks. When I was a young kid, we were industrial young fellows back in the day. Industrious. I'd go along the side of the road and pick up bottles. Some of you old people know what I'm talking about? Come on now. You know what I'm getting at. Young people are like, what are you talking about? They didn't have cans. Right? Come on. They didn't have 10 years drink soda pop in a can. Came in a bottle. People, just like they are today, they drink something, throw it out the window. <laughs> you know, and then it was thick bottles, too. They were like, you know. And we would pick the bottles up. I'd ride up there on my bicycle, you know, and have a little bag with them. And I'd just shove them into that, man. They had mud and dirt all over them. Caked up, ugly. Two cents per bottle. Take them back to the store. Man, I'd have like a dollar's worth, man. I'd <laughs> drunk that 50 bottles. There you go, man. I want my money. <laughs> Caked up in mud, dirt, and grime. They'd be hanging out that money. Now, back then, man, 50 cents, I'd buy a couple, two, three comic books, and four or five pieces of 
couple candy bars. I'd be, I'd be riding back. <laughs> you know, just lift. Woo-hoo! But what do they do? They would take the bottle, Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola, RC, whatever it was, and they would take it back to the plant and they would refurbish that bottle. I mean, they would wash that thing, sterilize it. If it needed new paint, they'd paint it up. And then they would put new new fluid in it, put a new cap on it, resell it. They re we call that redeeming. We say on the bottle, redeem for two cents. I think it went up to three cents, then they stopped doing bottles. I mean, something like that, you know. If I can remember, it was two cents a bottle. What does God do when we talk about redemption as it relates to us? He finds you all full of gunk and mud and all laying in the gutter of life on the side of the road. <coughs> broken, messed up. He says, I could, I could use that. He's got all kind of mud and gunk all over. This is nasty. Like it is. I got to, to refurbish this thing. And then I can use it. But what does he do? Number one, he, 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 you come to faith in him, he, he cleans you, he starts cleaning your life up. That's why you're going through a lot of tribulation and trial right now. You know you are. Because you're fighting it inside. You, you want to do your thing. He said, no, I need to change it. He said, no, I don't want to change it. So God, that's where the conflict comes in the Christian. If we really knew what he was doing, really knew, we would say, please, Lord. Remember when Peter... Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. And Jesus said, come here, Peter, let me wash. He said, no, sir, not me, Lord. You're not washing me. I'm not going to let you wash my feet. What did Jesus say? If you don't let me wash your feet, you'll have no part in me. Jesus said, well, not my feet only, but my head and my hands also. In other words, give me a whole... Jesus has to redeem us. He has to wash us all over. And then he puts that Holy Ghost, come on, now, now inside that new vessel. He fill, refills the vessel. And the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. And lives within us. And the final act of redemption, come on, church, we talk about that. The hope of the second coming is when he stands in those clouds and says, come up here. And we're changed. It's over. We've passed from death to life. Let's, let's close out here and read on. Down in verse 54 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. When the perishable, that is our outward man, our bodies, has been clothed with the imperishable, that's our new resurrected body, perishable to imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Right now we're mortal, we're subject to death. But it's not really death, it's like going to sleep. Because it's going to be reversed. Amen. For the believer. We're going to put on immortality. What does it mean to be immortal? Well, let me say this. What does it mean to be mortal? I can walk over and stab that dude and he will bleed to death and die. That's mortal. I can't kill his spirit. I can't kill his soul. It's beyond my power. I don't have the ability I could kill his body. He could kill mine. 
But if I'm a believer, it's just like I'm just going to sleep if I die because I'm going to be raised up into an immortal. Now, if you're an in, in an immortal body, you're no longer subject to death. You can't die. You're immortal. Why has the concept of Superman always fascinated men on earth? Because you can't shoot him. You can't kill him. You want to bounce Come on. Well, in reality, we're going to be Superman. Somebody will say, hey, come on now, preach now. You get a little crazy, but we're going to be immortal. We're going to put off the immortality and put on immortal. It's like changing a garment. When he does it, it's like changing a garment. And it says here, then will that saying that is written come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? And Paul goes on to say the sting of uh, death is sin. We're going to be changed. We're no longer going to be in a sinful body. We're no longer going to have a sinful mind. We're going to be changed. And the power of sin is the law. We're no longer going to be breaking the law of God. We're going to be walking in it. But thanks be to God to Christ who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us victory. Amen. The hope of Christ coming is we're looking at victory ahead. Victory. Hallelujah. Having won victory. Having won immortality. We have that down payment now, the earnest of the Spirit, but we're going to have the whole redemption and my friend, it's not going to be very long from now. Consider this. If you knew beyond any doubt that this was your last hour to live, what would you do? Jesus will come again to gather His followers together to be with Him for all eternity. No one knows the time exactly of His appearing. The one thing we do know is that Jesus' return is going to be sudden. It's going to be quick. Our responsibility is simply to be ready, come on now, at all times. To live with the end in sight. That's why I'm teaching. That's why I'm ministering. So that you have a backdrop of why we believe what we believe. And what the end result, the goal will be. Right here, the hope of the believer is the resurrection to immortality. Where we go from there in eternity is, is your guess is as good as mine. But thank God, that's a great beginning. That's a whole new beginning. Immortality forever. How long is that? My, my, my. That's a long time. I look forward to that. The sufferings, the Scripture says, of this present age are not worthy to be compared to what's going to be revealed in us. Oh my God, let's be... Man, just be quiet. Will you please? I don't know why I think. Just shut up. You're going to have eternity... With, with joy unspeakable. They just think don't even need money or anything in heaven. You got everything you need. There's no inequality. There's no inequity. There's no... You have perfection. You will be what God intended you to be the moment you're transformed. And you know God likes variety. Hallelujah. I preach that grand over brand of Christianity. We're all just fruits, nuts, and flakes. Come on. 
think about that a little bit. Let that sink in. Come on. Okay. You insult us as a. Come on, just say it. You know, just say it. Just say it. He loves variety. We're going to be the best we could ever be. Our responsibility again is just to be ready. To live with the end in sight, knowing that he could come at any moment. We could live with complete assurance that Jesus might come today. Did you know that? Are you ready? Would you be happy? Amen. Come on, come on man. Hallelujah. Can't say amen. In this conviction, it should move us into committed action. Jesus could come at any moment. Our labor is not in vain. It's not wasted, church, when we invest in things of eternal value. You're here today because God wants you to be here. You're here today. We're investing in eternal things. We're learning eternal things. I'm speaking not to a mind that will reject. I'm speaking to a spirit that can comprehend and understand and be encouraged and be strengthened. We need to encourage one another as we see that day approaching. I'm going to tell you this. It's going to get darker and darker, worse and worse in this present age as we move forward. You say, is that in the Bible? Peter says that evil men will wax worse and worse as that day approaches. We're only seeing, it's just scratching the surface of what's going on. You and I need to keep our focus like a laser on Jesus and on Him. Be encouraged. He's coming. He's coming back for you. He's coming back for me. Let's stand this morning. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we give you praise today. Lord, we worship, we magnify you, Lord. You are God and there is no other beside you. Lord, we are your purchased possession, Lord. You purchased us with your blood on Calvary's cross. We belong to you. Whether we live or whether we die, we are yours, Lord. And Father, you are coming back for a church. You're preparing us. You're, you're making us, Lord, a bride without any spot or wrinkle, Lord, or any blemish. Lord, you're perfecting us. And Lord, we ask you today to continue to move in us. Church, take a moment of time. Lift your hands toward heaven and pray with me. Lord, move in my life. Lord, prepare me, Lord, as your bride to be ready for your coming. Prepare me. You may say, hey, I, I don't know that I'm ready. I don't just say, Lord, make me ready. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my mind. Work in my life, Lord. And Lord, help me to respond as you do work in me. Father, change me where I need change. That should be the prayer of every believer. Change me where I need change. Not someone else, but me. Lord, cleanse me, oh God, of all filthiness of flesh and spirit. Make me the man, the woman I need to be. Father, I give you praise. I, I worship you and magnify you. Lord, you're coming back for a church. Your church. Help us to be ready. Help us to be anticipating your return. And Lord, to be busy doing your work. To be the witness, the light, the salt we need to be in this world. Father, we thank you for doing that. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, I need, I need the Lord to move in my life. I have a special need. Just, just take it before the Lord this morning. 
Say, Lord, you in my life. I have a need. I, have, I need a job. I need money. I need income. Lord, I need help with relationships. Lord, I need you to move in my life. Today, Lord, I, I present that need to you, Lord. Help me. Lord, help me. In Jesus' name. We'll sing that song as we go through it. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call click or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done